as it's a new week, it's a blank space to make a podcast in. And the man to my right is the one and only Kyrie Thompson, who covers many, many teams. He's, he does still have connections to the Pats living in Boston, covers the Ravens now, covers the Bears, which we'll talk about. But first, New England got their first win of the year, 15 to 10. And I'll say this, Victory Monday feels pretty good seeing it's been the first one since the new year, like the literal new year, New Year's Day. Yes. And I think that the thing to remember and I know this is tough, right? Because everybody wants to style points. In the end, you just got to get a win, man. Yeah. And you know the pa- the Patriots started the season off 0 and 2, and as far as I know, only six teams have gone started 0 and 3 and made the playoffs since like like the last 40 years or whatever it is, something crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that was not a position you want to put yourself in. No. No, 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 it's not. And even though it was ugly and it almost got out of their listing as I didn't realize Brett Maher was a Ram. Um, <laughs> we're, we're both watching the games at the same time, guys. Yes. Um, but with that, yeah, it's, it is what, like, it, like you said, it is what it is. Did the Jets shoot themselves in the foot? Sure. But you could have said that about the Patriots too. You could have said that the last two weeks as well when, I'll say this right now, I think after yesterday we kind of saw that, hey, that Pat's defense – Pretty, pretty good, considering what a certain horse, decide, a dead horse, I should say, did yesterday. Um, but no, with, yeah. Like, I said this on, uh, but going to that quickly, I'm just going to say this, I called that. Not called 50, but I said, they'll six and a half, I knew they were going to win. Um, but with the Patriots, though, it, a win's a win. And now I got to ask you this question. How do I talk myself out of believing in this team to get a win on Sunday when ultimately I feel like I'm going to get disappointed if they get just absolutely caved in? I mean, I think that you can point to it this way. I mean, the Cowboys aren't particularly great. I mean, obviously they've they've got one of the most hellacious defenders in football in Micah Parsons, and this is an offensive line that has gone through a ton of injury issues, though they're starting to get healthier, and we saw Trent Brown come back and be and dominate, really. Yes. Dominate. Like it wasn't just a good game. It was a you can't you can't touch my guy game. No pressures allowed. No one sniffed Mac Jones coming from Trent Brown's side. That's the kind of stuff you like to see. On the other side of things, if Micah Parsons goes over there to the right side, well, then uh, I don't know. You you might have some issues. But, I mean, look, I, I think the Dallas Cowboys defense is, is obviously very good. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. I mean, really, the teams stack up in a pretty similar way to what they did in 2021, all things considered, when, when those two teams played each other. So I, I think – you know, obviously the Cowboys went ahead and won that game, but the Patriots came back and and, and were competitive. I think basically here's the thing: they're not going to get, they're not probably not going to get their doors blown off. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it's it's going to be another one of those games where the Cowboys are, are probably the more talented team, especially on the offensive side of the football, and and that I think will will end up making the difference. Um, but again, the Patriots have been competitive. I mean, you you mentioned the Dolphins game. I mean, this is really what it's been with the Patriots and the Dolphins, even since you know Mike McDaniel took over. They play that Dolphins team pretty well, and I mean, they they generally don't have Tua Tungavailoa going off on them. I mean, obviously the, the the Patriots had to come back a little bit. The Dolphins had had a two score lead at one point in that game, but I mean, they just dropped seventy points. Yeah. On an NFL team, you saw Devon Achan and 
Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill. The thing that gets me about no Jalen Waddle, no Jalen Waddle. Did not have Jalen Waddle. The thing that got me about that play too, man, the very first touchdown to Tyreek Hill is: Do you have any idea how fast you got to be to have the ball, to catch the ball wide open in space? And and you're he basically had a two way go. He'd be like, okay, I could cut back and juke this guy out of his shoes, or just reverse field and outrun him because he can't catch me. Or you know what? He might have a little bit of an angle, but I'm just going to stroll past him. It's like that's the kind of stuff that they're dealing with out there. Yeah. Holy speed. Hilarious speed. And they they just decimated an, an NFL roster. And it, that that's what the Patriots held in check relatively. So I think you got to feel really good about this defense, man. I mean, there have been times in the past couple of years where you could look at it and say, Oh, well, they're fine, but they haven't really played anybody. It's like, oh, no, this defense is good. They are yeah. good. And especially, too, with Denver when it's such like it's a, it's a top 10 defense and they go out there and get their doors blown off. Um, I still believe in the Mike McDaniel, Vic Fangio revenge narrative. I know they didn't want to address it by doing all that stuff. And I'll say that, too, that game. For everyone saying, oh, ran up the score, you're not supposed to do that. I'm sorry. It's football. You 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 don't play until that whistle goes to zero. I understand they're if you're a football man. That's yeah. the thing. It's like okay, yeah. There, there was a there were you know was a passing touchdown later in the game, but for the most part, they're running the ball. This is the running backs that are scoring. If you can't tackle the running backs, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. I and mean, what you want them to do? Take a knee. Yeah, sorry. That's it. Tackle. Yeah, that's it. Just just learn how to tackle. Like like I know your Bears play Denver on Sunday which I love everyone saying this game should be played at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday um but but man it's just you don't know what to like I want to say Miami's legit but this game on Sunday for them is a true true litmus test for both sides them and the Bills because I already started to say this after Buffalo lost an opener week one in New York that if Buffalo loses to Miami that's 0-2 in division play you go 0-2 in division play it's really hard to win the division. You basically got to win out, and especially too with one of those games, they have to go down to Miami. It's it's not e- it's not going to be easy. So we'll we'll see what happens Sunday. But we got some good games. We got some other games there. Um, look, the, the other big highlight from yesterday as a whole, I would have to say right now is I feel like we got to see some teams' true true identities, and I feel like one of them is was Las Vegas. I, like mm. b- besides the fatal coaching errors, I just think it's. The two, the basically, because I was saying this about New England as well, about Pittsburgh as well. That and you know this team well. That the twenty three Steelers remind me a lot of the twenty two Patriots, to where mm. if they play a team down to their competition or if their defense bails them out, they will win. But if they play a team that's a little bit higher than them, they're probably going to lose. That's what we've seen for them so far this year. And I know they're two and one, but like you face Cleveland on a down night and you got your doors blown off by the San Francisco 49ers. So. Ultimately, we'll wait and see what happens there. And with other teams, like, look, New York, I love how it went from Zach Wilson's our guy to, okay, it's Dallas, to <laughs> this guy sucks, run him out of town. Like, it's literally, I don't, I feel bad for them in the sense of, like, you had all this hope and it got taken away from you. But at the same time, too, it's just funny to see because it's like, look, you have everything. You had the world in your hands. You were the hard knocks darlings. And now... You had four plays with Aaron Rodgers, and it's gone. And now we have to watch you play on Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City oh, Chiefs. No. I mean, and, and you know, the, the thing that's <laughs> – look, okay, so I was hard on Zach Wilson coming yeah. out of the draft. I thought that was a terrible second overall pick. 
Um, I thought Justin Fields should have gone number two overall. And the funny thing about that is, is that as we see Justin Fields really struggle right now, I've been hammering this of late. As much as he had clear issues coming out of college in terms of, yeah, maybe the release was a little long and loopy. Maybe he wasn't great at throwing with anticipation. As a guy who I watched that whole 2021 rookie season, by the end of that year, there were really signs. True, true signs. I, I like honest to God, I'm not making this up. There are other people that can quantify this with data that he <laughs> that there was a real there was there were the makings of an NFL passer, an NFL yeah. pocket passer in there. He was throwing with anticipation, needed to be more consistent, but he was doing it. He he was getting better. And then the Bears completely torpedoed it the last couple of years. I mean, they 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 changed his footwork, they changed his throwing motion, they changed the offense, like, and he just has not responded well to it at all. But I think that if you had taken Justin rookie Justin Fields, yeah, you put him in that Jets offense and you allow him to grow with that offense, then that Jets team makes the playoffs last year. And they're probably a playoff contender this year because he probably would have continued to get better with with continuity. What you have with Zach Wilson, though, is I, I think he's more of an example of a guy who just straight up can't play in the NFL. Like, yeah, he, he, could, he couldn't play in the NFL when he got here. He can't play now. He's probably never going to be able to play. And that's the thing. You could look at it. People were fretting about, oh, yeah, the, the Patriots really need to get a win against this Jets team. I'm like, the Jets have Zach Wilson on the field. I'm not worried. Yeah. I, I was just worried from the standpoint of I wanted the, you wanted the win. You needed the win if you're a Pats fan. Um, the thing I'll say with the Justin Fields point, and actually there's a point I came up with, with today, is I do believe that because look at last year. They, played, they, they were playing really good football last year, and then obviously it was that Patriot game where everything went south. 10-3, Marcus Jones has a punt return back. And Zach Wilson literally said, yeah, I played fine and didn't hold any accountability for having a bad game there. And then that's when their season spiraled. They beat the Bears the next week, sure, but then you go on with there. And then if you look – and then going into the Justin Fields point, because if you look at their 2022, they got the week one win against San Fran. Then yeah. they got lost to Green Bay, but then they they were like 2-2 two and two at one point. Beat yeah, the they, they were two and one. They were they were two and one after three games, and then when they beat the Patriots, they were three and four. And the hilarious thing about that is that Fields went on. I mean, yeah, you could look at the passing numbers, and be like, yeah, well, he only, running. he only threw like for a hundred seventy yards or hundred whatever. There was a string there where it was like two touchdown passes, three touchdown passes, two more touchdown passes. Like the dude was actually low key on, not not even low key. He was on a heater for like five games, but the bears were giving up 30 points a game. So it didn't matter. That was it. That's the thing. That was an intentionally bad team that was supposed to lose. They wanted the number one overall pick, like from an organizational standpoint this year, they were actually supposed to be competent. And that's the, that's the really bad thing. When you look at those two situations, right? The Jets aren't tr- the, the Bears were just trying to be competent mm-hmm. and they look worse than ever. Yeah. And you can, and, and we talk about Fields, right? Oh, Fields ain't it. You know, he's, he's the problem or whatever. That defense is literally the worst. It, it's the worst defense in football. Like by, yep. by many, many, many metrics, it's the worst defense in football. 
on the other hand, you got the Jets that have a Super Bowl, at worst, playoff caliber defense. Yeah. Quite possibly a Super Bowl caliber defense. And they just don't have a damn quarterback. I mean, it is, that's got to be brutal to be a Jets fan. It, it, it is. But my, my thing I was going to say with Justin Fields is, um, I don't, like, I know everyone's like, oh, he sucks this and this. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the media hyped him up too much. Like, remember the 2019 Cleveland Browns? They got Baker, they got OBJ, and then it was, they're going to soar and make the playoffs. And then, like, week one, they got cooked by the Titans. And then from there on, we all knew they were on fraud alert. With the Bears and Fields, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's, hey, this is your move on to get a new quarterback and start from square one. Also, one point I'm going to make, if they draft Mahomes in 2017, I don't think it's what you see now. I even say the same thing, too. I even said the same thing, too, with uh, Cleveland. You go back in time. Mahomes goes number one overall. No, 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 no. Miles Garrett was the right pick for the Cleveland Browns. But with the Bears, it's the same thing, too. Mahomes might be a good quarterback. He's not the elite quarterback we all talk about now and that everyone talks about in the, in the Brady he, he caliber. Is, Mahomes is awesome. Like, like let's not yeah. get it. He, he's, he's, his talent was always going to be awesome. Skill set was always going to be awesome. But it is hard to, again, when you look at some of the, the, the best quarterbacks in the league, Yeah, you know, particularly like a, a, a Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen goes to a an organization that that's had some struggles, but they had a a solid general manager. They had a solid head coach with a good offensive coach helping develop him. And already right? built playoff and, team. And a good, yes, and, and a good yes. So it was it was pretty much ready to go. It's like okay, go ahead and make your mistakes in year one. He goes out in year two, but he's continuity the whole time, and and then finally it culminates in him. In, in that you know almost MVP season in in uh, 2020, but with, with Mahomes in particular, he went to Andy Reid. Man, yeah. they didn't even they were a playoff team, and they traded up to take this guy because they knew he was going to be awesome, and they just stashed him for a year. That's the thing; most rookie quarterbacks don't get that opportunity. They don't. They go to a terrible team. Bryce Young again. Bryce Young is a twig. He's tiny, et cetera, et cetera. But the guy he, he could he could throw the football. But he's yeah. playing for the freaking Carolina Panthers, and they cannot protect this man with mid talent too. And like, and I yeah, there's no one that there's no one that stands on Carolina. I he's throwing to Adam Thielen. On the flip side, though, you could you could point to what's going on with C.J. Stroud. Now that's a guy that. So, so now we're getting into the whole NFL conversation. We're just yeah. we're just gonna roll. We're just gonna roll with it. But yes, C.J. Sir. Stroud was a guy that I thought for my money. I would I would have taken him number one overall because of the translatable size to the NFL and because I thought the whole, oh, yeah, well, it's cognitive testing. He's an Ohio State quarterback, whatever. I thought it was all BS. It, it was inconsistent in college. It was inconsistent in college. It's true. Yes. That Georgia game that he played in the playoff was the best quarterback game any quarterback played at any point last year. By far, doing it against that defense, and 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 I'll say this too: I really, I really like Justin Fields coming out of college as well. I mean, you could talk about the flaws, but the guy was had damn good numbers. But he didn't have a game against that kind of defense like that. Nope. He, you know, he played Alabama in the chip, and then they got crushed. I think it was like fifty-four to twenty or something like that. The point I was going to make with Justin Fields is, I'm sorry, I, I, keep, I keep cutting your your Justin Fields point off because I get rambly. You're absolutely okay. You're 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 my co-host. You're able to do whatever you want. The thing I was going to say is I want to almost treat it like a Daniel Jones thing because obviously Matt Eberflus is going to be gone after this year, no matter what. Getting that paid vacation earlier. 
Ryan Poles, I don't, Ryan Poles, I don't know. I feel like he'll get a pass just because. Like, I can just, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I, organizationally off the field, that team is doomed, I still think, until Virginia passes away. I'm not trying to wish it on her, but she's old, and we don't know what's going to happen there. And there's the whole... The McCaskies got the, the McCaskies need to sell the team. Like that's it. I, I think I think that in the end, this fish rots from the head. It is a terribly run organization from top to bottom. I think that it, it, to your Ryan Poles point, I I think the thing to keep in mind here that I think is part of what you're getting at is that's a team they were trying to be bad last year. Mm-hmm. They tra- they literally after the Patriots game they were like, "Oh, Roquan Smith and and uh, you know, Robert Quinn, you played too well in that Patriots game. We got to get rid of you. Like we need to give up 30 points a game." And they had like the the best case scenario, which is you get the number 1 overall pick, but you feel good enough about the guy that you got to say, "You know what? He was really heating at one point like in in that season, like like supernova level talent." And so it's like, okay, let's go ahead and and give him something. The thing that's tripping me out, right, is we are four games into this and it looks abysmal. And again, I don't know, three, four games into last year, you probably would have thrown fields off a cliff as well. I know a lot of my guys, a lot of my Bears fans were getting ready to do the same thing. And then around week five was like, okay, all right, that's a little bit better. And then week seven, all right. And then by week 11, we're like, Oh, what do we got here? So that's possible. But I think that it's, I don't know. To me, there's no way you're going to come out of this year unless he just like absolutely ascends into, into heaven and becomes like actual Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no way that you're going to come out of this year and be like, we're handing that guy $200 million. I think that probably to your point, if they wanted to keep him, and this is a monstrous if because I feel like right now the Bears are bad enough. That looks like a num- the number one overall pick. And if yeah. they get the number one overall pick or if they get the Panthers number one overall pick, then I think that that's a quarterback. I'm sorry. I think it's just got to be at, at this point. But if if that's not how it shakes out, if they don't get to draft that high and Justin Fields does rebound the way he did last year and you're like, you know what? Pick up his fifth year option. Let's yeah. see how this goes. Then again, if you've got a shot at Caleb Williams, I'm sorry, you got to take it. Sorry. Yeah, 100. percent The other thing to do is if they want to be stupid, they can go Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. And that still would be a good football move. It's just if he if he's there, you take it. My thing with him was though, if you aren't going to draft a quarterback, don't like the Daniel Jones point I was going to make is don't pick up his fifth year option, and then if he falls out next year, that's when you give him a contract. So that's that's because that's that's what I think could happen. But in reality, I think it's, look, you either give him his fifth-year option or you ship him out of town immediately. And I think he goes somewhere else and then he has – he's not going to go somewhere else where it's going to be like the Mitch Trubisky situation where it's like, hey, you're going to go to Pittsburgh and then, hey, we're going to draft someone. No, I think if he goes somewhere, it's to a team that needs a starter. Like, I don't know. There's a team in their division that wears purple that I think could use him and would use his skill set perfectly. I mean, you you got teams you, – you, you've got people talking about – the, the Jets should trade for Kirk Cousins. You know what I mean? And and I mean, if if they really, really wanted to win a championship this year, I mean, I don't know. It should it should be under consideration. Then again, I mean, look, what are you gonna what are you gonna do in that situation? Because Aaron Rodgers, I think, wants to come back and play. And so then you would have a major problem. You go ahead and trade for Kirk Cousins, and then what are you just gonna let him walk? Like, you know, what what, what are you gonna do after that? I feel like that's not really where the Jets are, but 
yeah, I mean, I think Justin Fields is in a place where he needs probably he's got to go someplace else to really achieve his potential. Because yes. again, I, I think that if he were, I don't know, maybe if he were to end up in a backup role or compete for a starting job in a system that I think worked more for him, like I'm talking something along the lines of, you know, me, I mean, I don't know if he would work in like a Shanahanian system, though Shanahan can make any quarterback look good. But yeah. like, if you put him in kind of like a the 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 old school Shanahan offense, where you got like a lot of boot play actions, where the quarterback yeah. is moving a lot, or and, and he's got such a big arm, right? It's like go ahead and let him cut it loose. Um, something that allows him to take advantage of his athleticism in the way that the Bears just like aren't interested in doing right now. Because why would you want to do that? Um, I, I think there's a chance that that he could be an average to above average NFL starting quarterback yeah. in the right situation, which this is not. What about a team like LA, not the Chargers, the one that we're watching right now in the Rams? Like, what about that situation? Because well, we don't know what Matt, Matt Stafford's going to be play beyond this year. That's, I that's mean, that, to look out for. that's Sean McVay. I mean, would I, would I want to see Justin Fields play with Sean McVay? Yes. I mean, yes. And, and yeah. look, this is this is a guy that I'm from Chicago. I'm a Bears fan. At this point, I I think it is best for both parties to to separate. You know, at at, at this point, as we're stand as it stands right now, because now, it, and this is even if like, oh yeah, if we're gonna say Matt Eberflus is gone and Luke Getzey is gonna be gone, well then Justin, if if you kept Justin Fields, that means he's getting a new offense. You know, his yeah. third new offense. I, I just I just don't think. I just don't think that can work, man. I don't think that's feasible. I think like almost for, for the health of your organization, for the health of Justin Fields, you've got, you've got to start this thing over. Like it's not even wholly his fault. It's mom and dad can't get it to work anymore. We got to get a divorce. It's just, there's no other option. You've exercised all the options you can. And also I'll say this too. One thing I feel, feel like that goes unnoticed in the Ryan Poles era is the fact that they did that trade for Chase Claypool. Not that they traded for him, but what they gave up to get him. They gave up a second round pick and turned into Joey Porter Jr., who I'm sorry, looks pretty good. I know I said some bad, basically said the Pittsburgh's like an okay team, but he's been looking pretty good for them through the first few games so far. So it's one of those things too, or even say if they keep him, and even to the Jets point, there's all this stuff where you have to think about your team's five-year plan to where if the Jets were to trade for Kirk Cousins and if Justin Fields were to stay a bear, long-term it doesn't affect – long-term it will hurt your team more than it will help. Meanwhile, if you get Caleb Williams, you get him in there with the right system, the right staff, you turn things around, it's a wait and see what happens where it's like next year is like a, hey, we can see where it goes from there. It's kind of like two now where everyone's still asking the question. I know they're supposed to be the worst team in the NFL this year, but like it's like what do you do with Arizona and Kyler Murray? Do you tank the rest of the year or if – they're relatively competitive. I know they'll probably be one and three this week after San Francisco, but if they sneak out a couple wins here, like yesterday, they beat Dallas. And also, as, for as funny as it looks, Josh Dobbs running, they still got some pretty decent talent. Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown aren't terrible receivers. And Jonathan Gannon, clearly, it doesn't matter if you take the bus to, bus to work, if you drive to work, as long as you have that fire in your gut. He's a freaking weirdo, but he can kind of give him his props. He's got, he's got them competing, man. Like he, he is, he's got them really trying. That's, that's the culture hire. Yes. That works. The, the bears tried to do this with Matt Eberflus. They don't, they don't F with him like that. They don't play hard for him like that. No, they got the Cardinals out here being like, Oh no, we're trying to get you. Even the, the Texans. Look, 
See the the, the hot the hot, <laughs> the hot new thing right now is offensive coaches, offensive coaches, offensive coaches, and then people look at you weird when it's like, what do you hire a defensive coach for to pair with a young quarterback? Like, what are you doing? Look at the way they've got those teams playing. D'Amico Ryan's and Jonathan Gannon got those teams playing like we are. We don't care about none of y'all. Yeah. We are we are coming to bust every last one of you. Look at the, the Detroit Lions, right? And we make fun of Dan Campbell all the time for how weird he's got those guys to buy in. Yes, and also they've got Ben Johnson, who is like, I will take that as my next head coach. Thank you very much. That's a thing. I've I've started seeing Bears fans basically post the photos of Caleb Williams, Ben Johnson, and Marvin Harrison Jr. So it could happen, but that's just the thing. We make fun of the the kneecap biting and all that stuff, but even. The fact that there's guys from year one when they won two football games, it took until December to win their first football game, that they wanted to stay. Like an Alex Anzalone, you have the best, like you have a guy that they drafted in Aiden Hutchinson who is a depoy, who will be a defensive player of the year one of these years, who hit the stanky leg on Atlanta yesterday where I saw a Falcons fan tweet out, a white boy is dancing on, it's just fold the franchise. <laughs> but um, with... Like with the, it's that's why I said Dan Campbell is just a culture hire because everyone like laughs at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell literally brought in his guys, he got them to buy in, and, and guess what? They're a team now where you no longer look at Detroit and laugh. You look at them and go, "There's a reason why they're they got the first game of the year. There's the reason why week four they're in a huge primetime slot." Which I actually just realized today, they're I think they're the first team in NFL history. They're going to play three Thursday games in a in a season because they play this Thursday. Like, well, the week one game doesn't, is, you know, it's a short week, but still, right. it's you take it for what it is. But then you yeah. play again Thursday and thank on Thanksgiving, which isn't always a given for the Detroit Lions. So it's one of those things with them where you go back to it now where it's a culture thing. I said as soon as D'Amico Ryans was hired, I'm like, this seems like a Dan Campbell ish hire. Like I said, like by 25, I think Houston's going to be a team that people are going to be, hey, we're looking at them to make the playoffs. Like, even look at to the AFC South this year. Jacksonville got the doors blown off yesterday. We don't know what Tennessee is. Like 94 yards of offense yesterday for the Titans. And the Colts are 2-1. and one. I know it came at the expense of Baltimore, and there was that uh, questionable call. But you still got to respect them going into ball. Like the fact that they took care of Baltimore. And like they obviously the first one was Houston. But then you have these teams where it's just like yeah, we don't well, know if they're going to come back to earth or not. But for now, relish it if you're a fan base, if you're a Colts definitely. or Texans fan. Definitely. And, and I think – ultimately right this is the first quarter of the year this is still the part where teams aren't fully what they are they're trying to figure out their identity they're not looking as polished as they normally might Um, yeah i mean cincinnati is looking really bad right now um (laughs) and and i mean the thing is like that and and that that's been a pattern with them to start even really the last couple of seasons start off 0-2 last year but come November, they're probably going to be right in the hunt because that's just what they are. And, and so I think that you got to take some of that with a grain of salt. That's the, the good teams. If they are, if they are meant to be good, they will be good at, they will become good at some point. But absolutely. I think that if you're one of these young teams, you're not necessarily expecting to win, build on a little bit of that momentum. You might hit some hard times later. You might end up like the bears start two and one last year. And then, end up three and 14, but I mean, yeah, enjoy it while you can and then try and build up good things along the way and maintain that resilience when the hard times hit, 
because I think that, you know, sometimes sometimes you lose games because you're not talented enough. Yes. Or maybe you make one or two mistakes or what have you. But if you constantly make losing plays, then that's how that culture sort of seeps in. You can be you can lose, but still be competitive and still be building something good. That that that's just it. It's like Detroit. It's like we go back to Detroit because 2021, they were that team coming in December. Remember, they yep. beat Minnesota, they beat Arizona, they got a couple of victories where everyone was like, "Hey, look for them next year." But then they got off to last year. They had the one and six start. Well, I always start, bring, yeah. I, I always bring up this game because it was my first at Gillette. But the 29 nothing loss, and then they fired some people, and then they went eight and two, which I still say this. I thank God the Patriots faced them when they were terrible, and Bailey Zappi shut them out. But you, the defense shut them out. The defense did. Kyle Duggar with the pick six, or the fumble yeah. six, excuse me. Yeah, the fumble six. Because that, because yeah. in that, that one, it's like Bailey, yeah, Bailey Zappi, first career start, gets a win. Good job. One touchdown. What one yeah. touchdown drive to Jacoby and Myers. The, Yes, and and the rest were field goals. So it's like yes. Bailey Zappi didn't screw it up, or you yeah. know whatever other word I could use. Didn't didn't do that. Um, yes. But without that was the defense, and, and honestly, that was one of those like I I was definitely doing the finger wag that day because I was like, never trust Jared Goff. Okay, Jared Goff ain't it. Bill Belichick owns this man, like owns real <laughs> estate in his head. That's how this works. And you know what? Jared Goff kind of low-key shut me up with the way that he played for the rest of the year and the way that he's going to been playing to start this year, right? Remember, remember, remember last year on Thanksgiving, too, they took Buffalo. Buffalo beat them by, I think it was like one or two points, or if that was a field goal. I remember Buffalo, Josh Allen had to go down the field and do everything like that. And when you were saying earlier the Patrick Mahomes example, I was saying the same thing, too, where it was just like, hey, like the, the elite quarterback conversation. But with... Even your Mahomes points, you nailed it all on the head. Like the people were saying this last week, where it was, you had him. He was he was not only did he go to a good culture, but he went to a winning organization that was already making the playoffs. So you know what? Hey, you insert him there, and then you go. You got Cliff Kingsbury a job. I think we finally realized. Look, it's Patrick. It's not Cliff. Um, but I feel like more people have to focus instead of getting these like offensive masterminds. Which yes, Mike McDaniel is, but Mike McDaniel is the best of both worlds, where you get offensive guru but he built he's built a culture there that guys have bought into i know he has a bit of his he's a bit of an arrogance to him even last sunday like look when the patriots were losing it was annoying seeing him run off the field and say like i did nothing it's all those guys that's a coach that believes in his players that they can go out there and get the job done so it's you need that because i'm already saying this right now as deandre swift's going running um Mike McDaniel, I feel like if the season were to end today, he, he he's already in the coach of the year conversation. I think if they win the division, he's got it locked up. I mean, they are detonating basically everybody in their way. No, no one, no one can hold this man. Also, my goodness, how did DeAndre Swift stay on his feet? See, that's the thing. You never see guys actually be able to stay on their feet when they get contact on the hurdle. They get flipped over or whatever. They always tell you don't leave your feet for that reason. He actually yeah. stayed on his feet and got some more yards. But I think, you see, this is – and look, here, here's another one. I think very often we devalue certain things about quarterbacks' games where it's like oh man look at the way that guy can move in the pocket or look at the rocket arm he can make all the throws he can do this he can do that like he looks the part Tua Tungo Bailoa was a guy that 
people kind of look at he's got a pop gun arm like he can't really throw like he's not really like that he can't really run either he's not that mobile but you know what his superpower is is his, his feel for the game like just pure and simple like i can't tell you how many times i covered patriots dolphins games where this dude is yeah maybe he might look rough on first or second down whatever like there was a miscommunication or like he's getting hit as he throws and and it was it was a bad ball i can't tell you how many times i've seen this man on third down he's throwing the ball before the receivers even thought about coming out of his break and then the receiver turns around and the ball is like embedding itself in his face mask and all he's got to do is put his hands on there and it's a first down and it's just like how yeah, I mean, it's that level of anticipation. He plays the game so fast, so like this. When you talk about anticipation and pocket feel and playing within the system, no one is doing it better right now than Tua Tungavailoa. No one. Okay, yeah. and yeah, it helps that he's throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle when he's in the game, or that he can hand the ball off to two of the fastest, quite possibly the two fastest running backs in football. Trap but, stars. <laughs> but it's not just that. I mean, he he is making the offense work by simply he's a he is a wizard in terms of his anticipation and being able to just see the game, see the openings before they happen. Okay, that's why the the Dolphins offense is is terrifying. It's not just because of the game breaking stuff. It's because in tight window situations in on on third and five, where maybe you've got the right defense dialed up. He's just going to throw that ball in that window and that receiver knows, oh, I better get over there real freaking fast because the ball's going to be waiting for me. Just stick your hands out. and There it is. That that. It's just you're making the most of what you got, which it's you're doing. He's doing all the right things. I don't really say this because always injured, always first couple years weren't that good. We all know the Brian Flores experiment failed. What they do, they got when Chris Greer, who's been there forever, brings in Mike McDaniel, changes the culture. They go out there, they get Tyree Kill because they needed someone for two. Obviously, Jalen Waddle's good, but the fact that you have. Tyreek Hill, it just makes a world of difference. The the defense, too, um, is got some good players on it. Plus, that defense doesn't even have Jalen Ramsey. And that defense literally has given up. Look, obviously, there was a Chargers game where they got slashed running. But then they only gave up 17 to the Patriots. And then they gave up 20 to the Denver Broncos. Which, I'll say this right now, because I, I, I like to say it's funny. Did the Denver Broncos get cursed by the devil for going all in to win a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and then are they just doomed for eternal hell? Like, is that, did they do this to themselves? Or, because my thing has always been after that is John Elway's been bringing in a mediocre quarterback so his records stay untouched. I think that, <laughs> look, I, I think that it's not necessarily that, oh yeah, they're cursed to hell for doing that. But the, the inability to find the right quarterback in the draft. You know, it's like Paxton Lynch. Yeah. Right. Or, oh yeah, we're going to try out Drew Locke. Right. It, it, it's always the same. It's always the same kind of quarterback. The yeah. same kind of, oh yeah, he really looks the part. Ooh, look at the way that ball comes off his hand. Look at the way he stands tall in the pocket and does X, Y, Z. And they'd be throwing, they'd be hopping back in the pocket, and they're just like, oh, God, what do I do? Every freaking one of them. And so then you go ahead and and try, you you go all in for Russell Wilson, who, if we're going to be honest, he was kind of cooked his last year 
in Seattle and everybody blamed yeah. Pete Carroll. And we can clearly now see that that was a mistake because they got Geno Smith out there, Geno Smith in at the highest level that Geno Smith has ever Geno Smithed. And Russell Wilson <laughs> looks like he he just does not he he can't play, which is freaking wild. Yeah. How is it that Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion quarterback, two Super Bowls in a row, like perennial playoff guy, one of the best deep balls in the league for a little while. Now he can't play. He he is completely lost. And then it's like, okay, well, we have to make this 200 whatever million dollar man work. So let's let's mortgage our, our draft picks on Sean Payton. Yeah. Who is you want to talk about coaching arrogance? That guy just it oozes from his pores. And so they have they they married themselves to Russell Wilson. And then they married themselves to, oh, this guy has to be the one to fix Russell Wilson. So what they've done, they've condemned themselves to hell out of just, I don't know, pure spite. Yeah. That, that, that. Because with Sean Payton, though, because I know everyone likes to say the whole, oh, was it, it was Brady. It was never Belichick. Belichick's this. I think we got to start having a conversation. I had this conversation with somebody earlier today. It was Breeze. It wasn't Payton. Like... because they flashed the graphic today. Breeze is the first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm sure Sean Payton will be in Canton one day too, but like Drew Breeze has is so underrated for all these records that he has. Everyone likes to talk about Manning, Rogers, Brady, like Manning, Brady, and Rogers. Drew Breeze is right there in every single top five quarterback statistic. Not everyone, but there's a lot of them. Yeah, there are a lot of them. And and I think here, here's the thing, right? Drew Brees, I think people like, oh, yeah, he went to Sean Payton and Sean Payton rejuvenated his career. It's not like Drew Brees sucked when he, he was rejuvenated with the Chargers. The city. He, he did like he was good. He was just hurt. Yes. Right. And people were like, OK, well, his shoulder is like, you know, kaput. So we don't need him anymore. We drafted Philip Rivers. We're just going to roll with that. But it's like people act like the dude was bad. It's yeah. like they knew that he was a bad player. He was not a bad player. He just needed to be healthy, right? He needed to be healthy and go to a place with, you know, with good weapons. And and there you go, right? But I, I think that in the same way, we, we got to really be careful with all-time great quarterbacks and how much credit we give the coaches. Brady's a different – Brady and Belichick's a different story because Belichick's – mastermind his genius is primarily on the defensive side of the ball plus he built the rosters i mean look people can say like oh yeah it was it was more brady than belichick Those or whatever first like, super bowls were all belichick they, they, go to they, the grave saying that. they were they were largely belichick i mean especially the first one i mean tom brady they, was just out there in survival mode and that but the team the team elevated brady until and until Brady was comfortable enough to elevate them when they really needed it. And that's how you get that final drive of, of the first Super Bowl where he goes out and does that, you know, but was Brady doing that right off the bat? No, he wasn't doing that right away. And it's like, he, he needed a team that would allow him to, that would empower him to then take charge when, when it was necessary, but not have to rely on it. And, and, and 
Then later on when he was goat Brady, then of course that's how you get 2016 where he brings you back from the brink of absolute death. You, you were, you were dead in the water and, and then you get that. I mean, obviously he didn't do that alone though, because there were big defensive plays in that game as well. But, but that's the thing. It's like people want to distill it down to one thing. Like, Oh, it was all Brady. It was all Belichick. It was all whatever. The answer is always it's there. There's a percentage, right? Give, give it an amount of, give it some percentage, 100%. but, but I will tell you this when you're talking about, Oh Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and hire Josh McDaniels because look at the job he's done with Tom Brady. Or I mean, this is twice now. This actually is three times if you want to be if you want to be technical about it. Yeah. That that Tom Brady's gotten Josh McDaniels three jobs. He backed out. Of, he backed out of one of them and he's failing at the two other ones. Yeah. Right. You Luke Getze goes and hangs out with Aaron Rodgers. For a couple of years and everybody's like oh yeah look at look at luke getsy rising star in the nathaniel game hackett. <laughs> nathaniel hackett flies too close to aaron Rodgers, and they think they got to go ahead and make that man a head coach doesn't even last a year because it's a freaking disaster a fire right? on christmas day <laughs> and and sean payton like he, he had drew Brees for the longest and the longest and then he doesn't have Drew Brees for a while, and they kind of flit around 500 or whatever. But but somebody gets this idea that, oh, yeah, we got to pay however many first-round picks to pry Sean Payton away and give him to Russell Wilson because that's what's going to take him over the top. Yeah. doesn't look any better. doesn't they, look any better at all. The Raiders should be an 0-3 team, too. It's just Will Lutz missed field goals. Um, the one thing I will say right now about the Patriots going back to Super Bowl points, one, because I said this last week, because actually uh, you probably know, you, I've seen you guys have been in Twitter interactions before, McGarvin and I were talking last Wednesday night on this podcast, and I said the point to him that the Patriots don't win their first Super Bowl if Ty, Ty Law doesn't get that pick six. That's, it's just, it's we've seen it in the math, it's proven. The other one too is, and I say this because you mentioned Super Bowl 51, I still say this, they do not win without that high tower strip sack. They oh, of do course not. not. No, they do not no win way. that Super Bowl without that because no why? Way. That put them into field range to where Tom Brady could go down, get the touchdown to make it go from twenty-eight to twelve to make it twenty-eight. You, to 20. you can't. You can't come back from twenty-eight to three without some defensive plays. Right? I know Alan you Branch can't. got the fumble, but sorry to cut you off. Alan Branch got the fumble, but it was that high tower thing. I could watch that high tower clip on loop all day long. Yeah, yeah I mean you. We we simplify football so much sometimes where we we especially football, you can't do that. No, right? No one ever wins any football game by themselves. It's never happened, right? And you could look at oh Tom Brady leading the team down the field and you know throwing dots and putting it on people, but they still got to catch the ball. The offensive line still got to protect. And then when Tom Brady's not on the field, the defense got to do their jobs. Tom Brady could have played like, you know, like the second coming, but it wouldn't have mattered if the defense didn't get stops in the second half. Right. So I, we, we always got to be careful about the way that we talk about football because it's never just one guy. And, and most of the time, it's not even just the players. You got to have good coaching and good coaching and all that comes from good organizations. Right. So, it football really is the ultimate ultimate team sport and conversely when you have a terrible organization that stays terrible and continues being an absolute freaking dumpster fire like the chicago bears this is what you continually get 
I mean, look, there's a reason people keep on talking about Justin Fields. Like, oh, yeah, it's just like the Trubisky thing. Because the timelines are, like, eerily similar. Even though Justin Fields is by far a better talent and has played better football than Mitchell Trubisky. But it's it's the same thing, right? You you, you, you draft a quarterback because you want to try to save your job, right? And you get a year with the guy that you show some promises, a rookie, et cetera, et cetera. And then you fire the head coach. You change the you change the offense you change everything and maybe there's some success for a little while but then it fizzles out after over time and then you you ditch the one guy because he wasn't doing good enough and you draft the next guy with the lame duck head coach and a lame duck gm and then you fire you, you just repeat the process it's terrible process man matt and ryan were fired for matt and ryan um also that one thing i was going to say though with the whole trubisky stuff uh, do you think that this is any different if they had won that double doink game against Philly in 2018? Do you think any of this, if Cody Park, he said Cody Park, Cody Park, that was bad, bad. I'm already words mixed up. If Cody Parkey makes that kick in that wild card game, do you think this is any different they, if they're the ones to go to this divisional round? Because then I believe it would have been them going to LA and then the Dallas Cowboys would have played the Saints that year. The, I don't think this would have ended with the bears winning the super bowl oh not that but just i meant the few long more future long-term success it doesn't spiral out of control not winning the super bowl no 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 because i think that in the end what you saw from trubisky in that year even and then the year subsequent just inconsistency 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 and then in the fourth quarter once you get into the two minute drill and you're going tempo oh all of a sudden trubisky remembers how to play and he he just didn't know how to operate an offense that <laughs> like people talk about justin fields not being able to read the field trubisky couldn't like make checks at the line of scrimmage you know like, like little things yeah. like that right it, it, it's like justin fields is actually he's actually like an intelligent guy um, who can do those things. It's like, okay, field vision, et cetera, whatever. But like Trubisky, like could not run an offense. Yeah. Not, not, not on his own. And so what happens is that, okay, they would have just run the same kind of version of the offense, but then Nagy's like, okay, let me dial it up to the next version. And it, it would have been inevitable that Trubisky would not have been able to handle it because he never could. And the other thing too, is that it wasn't just about Trubisky either. It was also about Nagy. Because yeah. Nagy also just didn't have a feel for calling plays. I think that he was good in terms of, and, and this is why Fields did progress under Nagy, because Nagy taught Fields the the finer points of playing the quarterback position. Yeah. Right. Okay. Get hit hit the top of your drop. Let that ball go before your receivers, you know, come out of their break. Throw it in that window. And, and Fields was doing it. Trubisky wouldn't do that. <laughs> Trubisky wouldn't do that kind of stuff at all. But but the thing is, like you like literally Nagy's favorite play was all hitches, right? Like he he was in the same vein as, and I, I'm not saying this lightly, in the same vein as a Matt Patricia. Matt Nagy was a play connoisseur, a play collector. He was not a play caller. It basically, he did what he did, and he just didn't change. He didn't adjust in game. That's why he that's didn't why he have. Didn't. He did not have a system. 
yeah. in which concepts would play off of other concepts. He would basically just be like, oh, that play looks cool. Can we run that? And then would just like try to do that. And again, there was no rhyme or reason to any of it. When you watch a Sean McVay offense, for example, go like, like watch the Los Angeles Rams and they will spam like, they, they will spam outside zone, outside zone, outside zone. And then, oh, here comes the boot action, right? Or like, okay, they'll do outside zone a certain way. And then it's like, oh, here comes the split flow version of, of the zone. Everything they are doing, they might do it on the same formation, same formation, but just run different variations of it. And they will hit you with wrinkles. But they have a system. They have a, a, they have a way of doing things that everything then... That, that everything kind of flows off of. The Bears did not have that with Nagy. The Patriots didn't have that last year with Matt Patricia, right? You can always tell when a guy just, he can't call plays. Yeah. Because it, it, it's like something will just occur to his thought like, oh, wow. Uh, I saw somebody run that play last week. Like like there, there will be like a, like the Travis Kelsey thing that the, the, the Chiefs love to do when they're screwing around. Like Travis Kelsey will go ahead and uh, and and take a snap and get a quarterback sneak. Or the Ravens did something with Mark Andrews where he takes a snap and then pitches it to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson runs the ball as a running back. He did that last year. Well, then the, the Bears were like, ooh, that looks cool. Let's throw that in the playbook for Justin Fields. <laughs> It's like there's no original thought. Yeah, it's hey, this works elsewhere. Let's try it here, but then in reality, it does not work. Um, I think also to what I'm saying this about these games right now because I put the Rams game on. I think we're watching the Buccaneers come back to life. I think that they got a couple wins, and now we're gonna find out who they really are. But with the Chicago Bears, is just it's a rinse and repeat thing. It's been like this forever. I even saw the tweets today when they could have had Andy Reid in 2013, but nope, they went out and got Mark Tressman instead. Proven, proven <laughs> CFL, proven CFL coach. That's my league that I love, by the way. Shout out to Toronto, twelve and one. Um, but it's just you, you got to be original. You can't take what other you can sure you can do your own thing that you did on another team and then bring it to where you go. But that's the reason why certain players have advantages over certain coaches. Meanwhile, with New York, who they struggled with this with for years after Tom Coughlin retired, where you had Pat Shermer come in, it failed. You had. Uh, who's the other guy? Joe Judge. Same thing. Joe Judge did his just play calling and then just like whatever. And now Brian Dayball's there. And last year went great. But then this year so far, it's been rocky considering they're, they beat Arizona in the comeback. Sure. But the other games, you got blown. You got your doors beaten off of you by the Cowboys and the Niners both in prime time. So for them, it's like, what do you get from Daniel? Because that's what I'm saying this year. More than last year where there was pressure on him to perform because he has the contract coming up. This year it's, hey, go and show you're proving that you're worth $46 million. And so far, he hasn't. And Giant fans, for some reason, like to go, oh, it's the offensive line's fault. Like, it's – you have to – like, all these teams have to take accountability. I don't think Chicago does, but the Chicago fans seem like they're just, like, not even giving up. They just find it laughable at this point where it's just – Oh, I'm laughing. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it can't. It's like it can't possibly get worse. It's one of those you, things where we're at rock bottom, and it's September. It's three months to Christmas, and we're at rock bottom. You got, you got to laugh amid the pain. It's the only way to be. It, it's the only way to to be a fan of of this team, um, yes. or to, to be to be a, a Chicago sports fan generally, because ain't nothing going right for for any of it. But you know what? I think minus the Cubbies. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, even even them. I mean, they they need they need to figure their stuff out if they want to make the playoffs, but um, or if they want to do anything in the playoffs. But I think, um, you know, I'm I'm just gonna you know, yeah, I'll have the Bears on or like whatever. I'm I'm just gonna like pl- pl- put them in my ear. I'm gonna put the radio broadcast in. Maybe that'll help. I'm just gonna watch the Ravens, man. Ravens and the Patriots. You know, Patriots aren't particularly inspiring, but but the Ravens, yeah, sure, I'll watch the Ravens. Go Lamar. Let's let's get it. Zay Flowers all day. You already know, man. Zay Flowers, that was my guy. I, yes. I trumpeted about Zay Flowers to to the the to every corner of, of the earth. And uh the guy looks pretty good. I mean, he's looking pretty good, but with the Patriots, I will say this. I regret I don't regret passing on him. Gonzo's looked every bit as great as advertised. Top top four corner by PFF metrics already. Um but shifting gears now, I just want to go to college quickly because I know I saw you talk about this. I love how with Colorado, like you get tweets from guys like Robert Griffin the third saying, "Where's all this hate coming from?" And I'm just like, and everyone too saying like Dan Lanning. It's like, oh, he's a psycho. He's doing this. I'm sorry. I'm on the side of Dan Lanning went out there to prove a point that we're here to be legit. They're basically saying, "Look, you're all dog and pony. You're getting all the media attention." But guess what? That stops today. And I think for Colorado, this was humbling. Like, yeah, sure. This may be it for them. Like, but then again, I don't think anyone saw them as a national championship thing where everyone's like, oh, but it's this, oh, but it's that. But it's like, okay, for anyone thinking this team could have been great. No, 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 no. Like Utah, USC, Oregon, UCLA, those are the big dogs in the Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten or Big or, or Big 12. So with Colorado, I think it's just they're building something, but I think it's just you gotta wait. It's like all college yeah. programs. Like, look at Florida State, for example. Florida State was terrible three years ago. Now they're in the talks to win the ACC. So you got to give it time with these college programs. Obviously, there's certain exceptions, but every every dog has its day. You just have to let the program build. So if you are a Colorado fan or if you hate them, I think the hate for this it's just it's all basically built on the media. It's like the Dallas Cowboys. Even though there are opponent, the opponents this week, I just want to say this quickly. Yeah. I don't hate the team. I hate – it's just the way that they're covered on the media and that it's always – they should do this. They should be winning the Super Bowl. It's kind of like the New York Yankees. Well, New York Yankees is more the fans, but same thing with the Dallas Cowboys too. Their fan bases were God's gift of football. When it's like you haven't won shit since I was, uh, I don't know how old, what year you were born in, but last time Dallas Cowboys won the conference championship game, I was just a two year old. Um, I might be a little bit older than you then, because I Ooh. think I was like five. Um, but I think that uh. You know, with 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 Colorado and Deion Sanders, this is this is something that I feel like. Look to each their own. Honestly, if if you people hate thing hate things sometimes just because like oh I I keep hearing about it so much I want to hear it anymore like oh Eagles just busted through for a safety oh boy yeah that was. (laughs) <laughs> that had no chance. I'm watching oh Rams my. and ja- I'm watching Rams and Jags. Rams oh and my uh, God. that play had absolutely no shot. But I think um, people are just like, I just want to see. I just want to see Colorado lose right now, right? And yeah. I think in in the end, Dan Lanning, right? He want he did. He wanted to prove a point. You yeah. know, with the, it, it was it entirely fair to to kind of talk like that about Sanders and about like. A bunch of college kids that win? No. I no. mean, because in the end, they're they're trying to win games. They're not trying to win clicks. They're trying to win games. But that's the kind of stuff. Look, Deion Sanders does the same thing, right? 
motivate your team, create the narrative, us against the world, go out, beat their ass. That that's that's what you want to do, right? As, as when you're especially when you're talking to young kids, get their blood up and stuff like that. Don't have them be out there cheap shotting people like Colorado State was doing, but in the end, and, and, and Sanders said it himself, like Dion said it himself, he doesn't take it personally that no. like Dan Lanning was saying that stuff because it's all in the game, right? I mean, he, it, but I think what gets me right is that there are so many people that I, I they want to see Colorado lose yes. because of the media coverage or because of Deion Sanders specifically and are gloating about this fledgling college program that is like building this up from, from scratch, right? The death of the like, haha, like, look at you. They were like one in 11 or one in 10 or whatever it was, one in 11 last year, yeah. right? They were awful. And they're three and oh right now, or, or they, they're three and oh coming into this game, they're three and one now. People yeah. are just like, ha, that's right, humbles you, shuts you up. And it's like, they're, they're, they're winning. Yeah. In the end, if they don't win another game this year, they're better than they were last year. And the thing is, they probably are going to win other games this year. But I mean, I think Dion's right. This is the worst Colorado is going to be. So go ahead and have your fun because people are going to be streaming in to want to go play for that dude in the following years as long as long as he stays there. But to, again, to me, I, I always find it weird, right? Because I'm a sports fan. You're a sports fan. But there's yeah. this part of me that's the logical part. Is like, I don't understand this need that like we got to see people humbled, right? We got we've got to see people, you know, adhere to this decorum that 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 uh we demand right or or like these people that like they they talk their they talk their stuff like oh god i love it when they lose it, it, it in the end like this is a bunch of college kids that we're talking about yeah these are 18 and 19 year old kids like why like why do you want to see them fail right yeah it, it's it's like i get the same thing up here too with junior hockey where you see these like kids where it's you see them fail but then even going back to that point I don't get why we live we live in a society where people you root for the downfall of people compared to the uprising thing. Now I'm not here to say like Colorado, like, yeah, they're like this, because like I knew, look, they weren't gonna be anything special. It's one of those things with Colorado where, hey, like I was saying with Houston earlier, by the year like 2025 or 2026, if Dion's still there, which I think he will be, but I feel like the SEC will come a knocking very soon to him. Um, Florida. But with him now, you're building up a program that was literally one of the worst in the country. Now, obviously, there's thousands of college schools in the states and the football programs. But when it comes to Division One, Colorado for years was a laughingstock. It's them. It's it was. It's been Rutgers. It's been Vanderbilt. It's. I'm trying to think of other schools that have been bad. But like, even look at look at Kansas. Look at Kansas and Duke. Those are basketball schools, and now they're relative relatively good football schools. Like College Game Days going to Durham, North Carolina on Saturday. So. When you build these stories up, you got to know it takes time. Like, is is will Colorado lose to USC this Saturday? Probably. But will they beat Arizona State in a few weeks? Probably. Will they lose to Utah? Probably. But as long as Colorado's beating the schools they should beat, because like if you look at their first three victories on the air, TCU is like what LSU was three years ago when they lost all their talent to the NFL. Nebraska's Nebraska. And then... Colorado State's Colorado State. It's Mountain West school. You don't take much from it. So they're beating the schools they're supposed to beat. That's what they are. They're going to beat the schools they should beat. 
but they're going to lose to the schools that they should lose to. And you know what? That's completely fine if you're Colorado. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, like, like I mean, really, I, I already said it, but go ahead and, and, and get your jokes off now. And, and, and I think that um, the gloating, I think, says more about the people doing the gloating uh-huh. than it does about the Colorado program because in in the end right this is this is a bunch this is a young program that has already achieved more in four games yes than they achieved at any point last year they're they're just just think about the recruiting classes that are potentially waiting in the wings or waiting in the transfer portals to come down to freaking Boulder Colorado to come come play for that man yeah I mean, and and he's good for the sport. Like, I, I think that he he is good for the sport. Coaches can play off of that if they want to, right? And 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 gear up and, and take your best shot because of who that coach is and and you know who who the quarterback of that team is. Like, oh yeah, that's the coach's kid. Like, let's go show him up. Or they said that Travis Hunter guy is the best player in college football or whatever. Like, let I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna go burn him or I'm gonna lock him up or whatever. Do it. Yeah. Like it's it, it's it's turning it's turning college football into like low key professional wrestling, and it's making it must see TV. When's the last time freaking Colorado was must see TV? Or you have celebrities pulling up to Boulder, Colorado for anything, right? The Rock Offset, like Lil Wayne, you have like like College Game Day too. First time since 1996 that they went to call they went to Boulder. I know yeah. I reference college game day a lot, but it's a big de- that's a big deal to come to your school. Yes. Yeah. And 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 again, I, I just you know, I've had fun. I'm not a, the biggest college football guy. I'm really not. Um, I went to grad school at the University of Notre Dame, so I did catch that like honestly low-key exhilarating Notre Dame, Ohio State game from the other day. It's like not very high scoring, but there's some good football being played in that game. Um, so I did watch that. I watched a little bit of Caleb Williams doing what Caleb Williams does. Um, I usually don't start really getting into college football until it's time to start evaluating or I'll go down to the combine or you know, whatever. And I'll start watching these guys. But I think that, um, you know, the interest, because Deion Sanders was like, that was my childhood, man. Yeah. Like they had, my nickname was prime time, you know, because because <laughs> I because I was getting it done out there. Okay. Like I'm, I, I, I was, I was about it, you know. Like he, he was, he was one of my favorite players growing up, and so to see him doing what he's doing is exciting, you know, to me as the not most observant college football fan. So I, I'm loving it. I'm watching more college football even outside of Colorado than I've watched in years. So hey, you, you, you at least you got one more fan. Thanks, Coach Prime. <laughs> with me with college football it's always been i just like to watch it for the game like i don't have a team i don't have a rooting like i'll like i'll root for certain like if i watch a game i'm like oh i want this team to win but then for me with college football i like watching it just because like i love how those kids go out there and they'll make the most athletic plays because look they, they got nothing to lose they're just playing for themselves but then well, they, yeah. they make the most athletic plays but then they make the dumbest plays because yeah. again it's the same thing with with college basketball you realize at some points they don't know what the hell they're doing. Look at all they the goofy just, upsets in March Madness. They're just running around being athletic and just playing the game. They don't know how to play, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, like that's what I was saying with March Madness, where it's like, why do you have like Furman beating like Virginia or like Fairly Dickinson beating Purdue? It's because these kids are still kids and they're going to make stupid mistakes. That's why, like with football, that's one where I've heard some people say like, oh, why don't like, they play really good high school football or why don't you go straight to the NFL? I'm sorry. No, you need – there's a reason why there's a minimum of three years of college before you go to the pros because you're going – you can't be a 17-year-old kid going to play with grown-ass men with families to feed. And then with college basketball. No, and, you know. and see, and, and, no, see, that stuff is different, right? Because yeah. you could be bricked up and whatever and like be a, be a solid looking high school kid, but that's grown men, right? Playing, playing against grown men is an entirely different experience, right? They approach the game a different way. They have more experience than you. They know what you're going to do before you do it. They'll just sit up there and humiliate your ass, yeah. you know? It's like, that's why it's so hard. That's why for the most part, like rookies that come into the NFL don't get that stuff done because they either have to be preternaturally athletic, like to the point that they are just like, oh, God, I mean, like Adrian Peterson. Yeah. uh, You know, like coming into the league as a rookie running back, like that guy is just ridiculous. His knees are made out of titanium. Like Nick Chubb. (laughs) And and he's faster than, yeah, yes, like Nick Chubb, which I mean, how that guy only tore his MCL, I have no idea. But I mean, Adrian Peterson is, it was a man amongst boys when he came into the league, but you don't see people like that anymore. Like Leonard Fournette's the closest thing to it. He wasn't nearly as good as AP, but then like, okay, yeah, Jamar Chase, cause he's just faster than everybody. Right. Or, you know, Justin Jefferson, because he's craftier. You either got to be ridiculously athletic or you have to be such a student of the craft that you just sponge it up right away. Or you get into the perfect situation and and you're and you're, you're it puts you in a position to go out and dominate for the, for the most part as rookies you kind of you got to learn to get to that point it's a reason why there's this thing called welcome to the NFL moments it's a reason why that exists um it's I'm losing my wording it's a reason too why also only 1% of college kids make it to the NFL it's yeah yeah that, that's the thing um before we wrap up today i have two questions for you all right one do you buy? Oh, also, too, before the questions, I was gonna say this. I'm a late 93, so I'm assuming you're a 91. That's why I was two with the Cowboys. I'm a 90. I'm Ooh, a 90. 90. Okay, so you got three years on me. I'm a late 90. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I'm a late 93, so we're both three years apart. Uh, but with so the two questions going back to that. Number one, do you buy the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff? Because, like, look, I know it's weird, but we got to address it. Like, it's I also love seeing all the Swifties learn about football. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean. They're probably, I don't know. They might be messing around a little bit, just hanging out. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I fully actually buy that as a, as a real thing, but look, man, celebrity life. You, you so, sometimes they just be out there messing around with like messing with each other just cause they can. Yeah. It's basically, I think it's like this. It's a win-win either way. It's either look, it's either, they're doing it for fun, just to drum up publicity for everybody, or it's the greatest shoot his shot moment in human history. Yes, and I mean, hey, the, he got her to show up. Yeah, right. I, I'm sorry, he got he got her to show up. So to me, that's, I, I mean, he already kind of won. He already sort of won with that. Exactly. And as a kid that grew up in the late '90s, early 2000s, I got to ask you, 
What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show? Because I'll say this too, as a guy, as a kid who grew up in that era with all that music, which hopefully we get some of the slow stuff. But are you excited to see Usher February 11th? I'm I'm like trying to think about what he's even gonna do. Like, what's his set list gonna be? Right? I feel like you know, yeah, it's probably gonna be on there. Um, you gotta open or close with that, huh? I think you gotta open or close with that. I feel I feel like you gotta open with it. But I'm like, what? Like, what would you even do? Like, you remind me, or or maybe maybe uh, you you can't do confessions. I feel like no, you you, you cannot do confessions on the Super Bowl halftime show. Do you do burn? No, I just I, I just don't I just don't know what this man is gonna do. He might he might try. I wonder if he's gonna take it back like to the my way days. Cause, cause I would say this, my way would be a good callback. I I would do my way for the Super Bowl halftime show. That's a good one. Um, you got it bad. You cannot do. You got it bad for the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show. What is this man gonna do? What what songs is freaking Usher gonna do? I, I think he's gonna do stuff too, like the you know DJ God has fallen in love. I think he's probably gonna do the. Yeah, like a lot of the newer stuff too. Uh, got, that one, uh, he did. Yeah, DJ one? got us falling in love is is gonna be that's got that's gotta happen. Love in this club, like stuff like, God, like I hate that song. I know. I just I, I think of like the songs that but, get to no, go. Like people no, want the exactly. soul ballads, but he's not exactly, exactly. Like which which it's like the the dance like poppy songs. Like it's like almost gotta be that right. Um, but you know, because I agree, that's probably gonna be one of the songs on the set list. But I freak that song is so dumb. I hate it. But but it's like, I don't know, man. We we might have to workshop this a little bit. Like, what's Usher setless even gonna be? I feel like he's got he's probably gotta get a guest come in here and like take a song or two or something like that. That's why I said DJ got us falling in love, because I think that's with Pitbull, and you can easily get Pitbull to do a couple songs in there as well. It's Vegas, so I feel like you gotta go balls to the wall but i love the fact they did the callback with the not nah, quit playing with me where they do the multiple versions of the music video where you had the yeah. kim k i only saw the first three originally where the kim kardashian marshawn lynch prime i didn't realize they did the one where it was old usher and new usher that was my favorite one. Oh, i haven't seen that i haven't oh, seen I, that i'll, I'll, send, that I'll send it to you i, I will send I'm it to you after it is it's just really funny because he's like, I'm you. Basically, it's like, I think he's like, like, I'm you for the future and all this stuff like that. Like, I know we're playing. We got to go all out for this. But the Kim, the Kim K one was my other favorite. I'll say that. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I thought that was decently funny. I think it would have been like almost fun. So it was like, you, we missed out on the opportunity to have it be Kiki Palmer <laughs> after they had their little weird <laughs> thing going on. It's like, okay, that would have been funnier. But I mean, people, I, people know Kim Kardashian. Oh my God, that's the other song. Oh, I'm the one with Will I Am. But yeah, like I'm looking at it here. He even he released a new song too. But like, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm look, yeah, like the My Way Usher, the eight seven zero one. I feel like yeah, eighty seven zero one. I mean, there's some there's some good there's some good potential songs off of that. Like you remind me is like a good blend of like kind of dancey, kind of fun. Actually, I, I think you remind me might happen because like that's one of Usher's more like well-known like dance routines. So I think he might do that. 
Okay, and I'm just watching the uh, Box Eagles game right now. And future Patriot Mike Evans just made a great catch. Um, you can only say it if you man- you can only manifest it if you say it out loud. Um, but yeah, I think going back to football before we wrap up. I yeah, I think I'm saying this right now. We're get, we're getting a Tampa Bay Buccaneer comeback to Earth game like we did with the Commanders yesterday. Like I think Tampa like Tampa won. They won their first two games. They beat Minnesota, who's going to find ways to lose in Chicago, Chicago. But <laughs> and they beat the Bears. Yeah. This team plays in a month in Buffalo on primetime. They are going to get caked. I am sorry. It's going to happen. Josh Allen's going to run up and down that offense. Peace them up. I mean, like, yeah, because Josh Allen had his his week one. I'm going to kind of – I'm just going to be whack for a second, you know, and then he's like, oh, okay, I'm Josh Allen again. You yeah, know? I love that, how they lose that overtime game, and then they put up 38 and 37 on the Commanders and the, and the Raiders. It's just – Josh Allen, something will look at him where he's like, hey, I'm good again. And then this Sunday's obviously a litmus test for all of them. Yes. So, yeah, I think, look, the, the, the Bucks. we always looked at them as a team that potentially had top five pick potential because you're starting Baker Mayfield for an entire season. Todd um, is your head coach. It's like we, yes, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I find, I don't know, in their division, they could still compete, but – I don't feel like that's a 500 team. No, I I feel like I think they'll be like seven and ten, six and eleven. One of those thereabouts. Two. Thereabouts. Yeah, that's that's asking them to win. Hey, win four or five more games in a three month period for a team like Tampa. I don't think that's too difficult to do. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but you know what, guys? I'll be honest with you. This has actually been episode 249. We have 250 coming up Wednesday. So the first two hundred and uh, the first half, of the first two fifty, have been a blast. Kyrie, thanks as always for coming on, my man. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you once again. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. But anyway, guys, for Kyrie Thompson, I'm Griff Bordagon. Episode two forty nine in the books. See you Wednesday for two fifty. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world, and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.